Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Extreming Disney, the podcast focused on all things Disney+. Plus. Today, we'll be looking at things old and new as we look at the story of Sleeping Beauty and the latest live-action adaptation sequel to the story, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. But before I introduce this week's guest and we start talking about dragons and fairies and Mary, uh, Mary, magic curses, let me tell you how you might be able to help out this show. First of all, hit that follow button on Spotify and the Facebook page that we have to keep up to date on episodes and announcements, polls and news regarding the podcast and Disney+. Plus. Also, if you are on Facebook, make sure you leave a review for the podcast. I want to make sure that the most people out there can find this podcast more and more. And it helps if they can look at the Facebook page and see it as being legit. So with that review, please also let me know what you want to see on the show. Um, you can hit me up any time um, in regards to that. You can even message me. Maybe you want to message me and you want to be on an upcoming episode. Please, I love to have more options as far as guests. You might be saying, oh, not me, not me, but I do. I do want you to be on this show. Um, we, I actually, we have really awesome things in store for you in the coming weeks. Actually, what you need to do is make sure you listen to this whole episode. Stay tuned for this, the end of this recording because I have an announcement that I'm super excited to tell you about for next week's show. Okay, without further ado, let us go on and I will introduce you to this week's guest. All right, everyone, before this episode actually really starts, I need to let you know that something weird happened with the audio where something became out of sync. So it sounds about like halfway through our conversation about Sleeping Beauty and Maleficent, we become off on this different trains of thought almost where we overlap at different points or there's little awkward pauses. It sounds like we're interrupting each other at first, but I don't think it takes away from the conversation that Gina and I has has at a whole. So just bear with it. And um, I apologize for that. I don't know what happened, but I hope you guys still enjoyed the episode. All right. So this week's guest is my friend, Gina. Gina, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, so Gina works in the same campus ministry that I work in, except she works out in Massachusetts with college students, and I work here in upstate New York. Um, we work actually in the same ministry, if you remember back to episode two, Daniel, who works out in Oregon, um, he works in the same ministry that we do as well. So we're all kind of this close-knit group kind of across the country. But I've gotten to know Gina pretty well over the past few years when we do get to see each other, mostly at retreats, in which are about two or three a year. Obviously, right now, we would be amping up to be in a retreat together, but because of corona, we're not able to. Um, but so it's just kind of sad. It's nice to see her right now as I see her on Zoom as we are recording. But um, the reason I asked her to come on for this week's episode was because she's a fan of the animated movie Sleeping Beauty. So I thought it'd be great to have her come on as we look at the latest Maleficent movie and talk about our memories of the old Disney classic and talk about all things Sleeping Beauty and Maleficent. So, yeah. Are you excited, Gina? I'm so excited. I'm pumped. (laughs) 
So before we get to that, um, I just want to ask, you know, how have you been holding up during everything with Corona? Um, how are things over in Massachusetts? What have you been doing with your t- Um, So I'm in Worcester, Massachusetts, which is a pretty uh, big city. And we've had a lot of cases of COVID. We have a lot of hospitals in the city. So we have to be pretty careful about going out and about. Um, In addition to working in campus ministry, I'm also a full-time registered nurse. That's right. So I'm working right now um, and visiting adults who live in group homes and doing like at-home care and nursing visits and things like that. So that's... um, been a little stressful and having to take certain precautions and things like that but um I love what I do so I'd be sad without it wow that's pretty incredible thank you for everything you're doing with all that because you're definitely um a bit more on the front lines than most of the rest of us so thank you yeah thanks um so what what have you been doing in the spare time I'm sure you've been working quite a bit you've probably stayed pretty busy but in your spare time um what have you been doing I've actually been catching up on the Star Wars uh, fandom. I hadn't ever seen any of the Star Wars movies, so I figured it was time to jump in and um, just get started. So I've caught up to um, all of them except the newest trilogy. Okay. Wow, that's perfect. That's awesome. That's so cool. Um, And that's like, there's a deep well of things to get get into in regards to that you know we we've talked about that actually a couple episodes ago me and my friend Aaron I'm sure you listened to that episode as we talked about Star Wars but the Clone Wars specifically but yeah there's a there's a lot to dive into yeah I feel like there's a lot of mini fandoms within the overall group of Star Wars so sure and I think also Star Wars can be a pretty divisive fan base as well there's, you either feel strongly one way or another in regards to whatever movie or series or game, I guess, that you're, you're looking at. So, But it's kind of cool going in with fresh eyes, you know? Yeah, I'd never seen any of them before, so it was really cool to kind of compare the, the older ones with the ones that were um, like the, the prequels and everything like that yep. and kind of just see the comparison between how they were made and what they're like and so far I'm really enjoying it so I'm really excited to see the newest ones and kind of see how like elevated it is as far as like CGI and stuff like that so so because you are kind of gone in with fresh eyes now you know you being in your 20s I need to ask you how do you feel in the comparison to the prequels to the originals because you're you're you know you're untainted at this point in regards to a lot of the conversations that people have had so I'm just curious to know um I don't know. I feel like I don't have like a super strong opinion yet, like which ones I like more. Um, I feel like maybe plot wise, I really, I've watched them in chronological order. So I didn't watch them um, how they came out. But um, so I think I like it from a story point. I like the prequels. um, But as far as like characters and that part of the story, I really enjoy the the older ones from the uh, 70s and 80s. So yeah. That's really cool. Um, that's that's re- I'm 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 with you. I'm with you <laughs> on that. Um, it's kind of cool because Jess um, hadn't seen them up into up up until a couple of years ago, but she's only watched the three originals, you know. So okay. I kind of got her through those, and I'm kind of tempering off for a little while, and then maybe we'll go back and watch the prequels. We'll see. Um, yeah. So anyway, anything else that you've been watching on on Disney Plus or whatever? Just catching up and rewatching a lot of um, old favorites. So um, 
Disney stuff. I love Tangled, so I watched that pretty recently. Um, and trying to watch some of the new stuff. So I watched Onward. Mm. Um, just kind of picking ones here and there and um, visiting old favorites. So speaking of which, um, one of your favorites has been Sleeping Beauty. Yes. Um, why? Why we're going to get to the main content now? We're going to just start going ahead because we have a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Why do you love Sleeping Beauty as much as you do? Let's get the groundwork done because we're going to start from there and then we'll move into the other movies. So Sleeping Beauty, why do you love it as much as you do? So I am a huge lover of literature and reading mm-hmm. and fairy tales. So whenever I think of Sleeping Beauty, that's sort of like the quintessential fairy tale to me and just like very okay. classic. Um, even with like the opening scene of it with like the book that flips open and it kind of like pulls you into the story. Um, it just always seemed like a true fairy tale to me when I was watching it as like a little girl and um, just like one of the best princess movies, I think, um, as far as like story and kind of world in there. So um, it was my favorite princess movie growing up. Um, how does it compare for you? You were mentioning the other ones. How does it compare for you? Because I think up to that point, the only ones that we have that are princess movies is Snow White and Cinderella. How does it compare to those two for you? Like, what makes it stand out? Um, I think I really enjoy the the aesthetics of the film as well. So just the way that it's colored and the sort of um, cinematography of it, I really enjoy. Um and I just, I don't know, it's just top tier to me. I feel like Snow White and Cinderella just don't compare. <laughs> yeah. I think there's I think there's a lot more that you can kind of sink your teeth into with this. Snow White stands out because it was the originator. It was the first animated full-length movie to come out, mm-hmm. you know. But the relationship, the romance between Snow White and the prince is kind of lacking. But you can't you can't really say too much against it because, hey, if we didn't get that, we wouldn't ha- be where we are right now. And Cinderella, I there's there's something about Sleeping Beauty for me that stands out. It just as as a it's beautiful, it's stunning, you know. As you watch it, I think for me, it's a tapestry. Yeah, you know, it's it's just beautiful art as you can kind of look at it on the screen just the colors and the the layering of the animation it's it's beautiful you know you think of and then also it's a ballet and you see that within the movie itself too this beautiful production these dance numbers between the characters um so i did in the i think the romance is more on point mm-hmm. within there you know but I don't know if you have anything you want to kind of add to that, what I just said. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I feel like Snow White and Cinderella kind of set up a lot of the the tropes and things that we see in Sleeping Beauty and that Sleeping Beauty just did them better. Like you have the animal involvement in Cinderella mm-hmm. with the mice and um, the birds and things like that. And then in Sleeping Beauty, when they come in for the once upon a dream sequence is just so perfect to me and just how playful they are. And you can kind of tell the communication without it being like words and everything. Um, And just the, the Prince relationship from Snow White just gets so much better in Sleeping Beauty. You get more um, background and you kind of actually see the Prince as a person and yes, just see how they, they connect and how they met and, it just seems a little bit more detailed to me. 
Yeah, and I think honestly, um, I after watching a lot of these recently, I think Prince Philip is my favorite prince. Interesting. You know, um, he is not a jerk in any way. I don't think he's he's somebody that you would look at and being like, where his character later on in the timeline of just where we are in history or whatever, mm-hmm. you'd look back and you'd say, okay, there's some, it's a problematic, right. that character and the relationship. I think he stands out as just being super charming, not, no pun intended. <laughs> Um, but he actually has a personality because honestly, one thing that surprised me going back watching Cinderella recently, Prince Charming doesn't have like any lines. No, not really. He's not a character in the movie really at all. Mm-hmm. Prince Philip is, and you see that relationship with his horse, which I yes. think is super adorable. And he's charming in that um, Once Upon a Dream um, song. It's, it's awesome. And it's, he's romantic yeah. with Aurora. And then he's brave and exciting and, he, and he's, ah, I just, I love that. I, that's probably one of my favorite parts too, is the last like 20 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. You know, I just, I love Prince Philip. He's not Prince Eric, who's problematic. He's not um, Prince Charming, who has no character to him at all. Um, yeah. Prince Philip is my favorite. I would definitely have to agree as far as like all the princes from more of the classic Disney films. Um he just really stands out as one that really holds the test of time um, as far as personality and, and just being a, a strong character. Yeah. And um, also you were mentioning the song once upon a dream. I just got to, I have to say something. Jess had not seen this movie until a couple years ago okay. or no, a couple months ago. So with Disney plus coming on, we, we went back and we, I showed this to her. She has fallen in love with this movie as well. I find her and myself sometimes going around our apartment singing. I know you. And I can just, we can be humming it and then we'll sing it back and forth from across the apartment. <laughs> it's the different lines. Um, she's going to be totally embarrassed by that. But I love it. It's such, a, it's such a charming, sweet, romantic story, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't think when I was a boy, when I was younger, I didn't appreciate it for what it was because I'm just like oh this is boring this is not Aladdin or the Lion King but going back and watching it it is stunning I agree I just feel like that song is just such a good transition piece in the film and it really brings out a lot of I feel Aurora's character too it's one of the first times that we are really getting to see her and um just as like a the adult character that she is and I, I just love the relationship between the two of them. How at first she's kind of like freaked out a little, like, where did you come from? But then right. sort of just like they fall into sync with each other, which I think is really great to see. And it's absolutely just so romantic and so great. I love it. And what's, what's also really cool with their relationship. And we, when we were talking about that ballet aspect, mm-hmm. what's really cool about the animation is you can see the different, animations that they're using for the fairies and the the kings later at one point maleficent but with them uh, specifically when they're dancing in the forest you can see the fact that when especially when you look at their legs and their feet these they are overlaying the animation on top of actual dancers wow i didn't know that that's really that's amazing i didn't realize that before too until um a few a few episodes ago, Marge, who came mm-hmm. on, and we talked about Mickey Mouse. 
she's the one who pointed that out to me. So when I watched it again recently, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's totally true. Because you can see that ba- ballet, that dance between the two of them in the forest. That's incredible. I really, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that scene just so I can pick that out. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. Because you can see that their, their legs and their their structure, as they look more um, human <laughs> than like the kings who are so much more cartoony. Mm. Or the fairies, they look so much more cartoony yeah. as well. Um, yeah, I, I just find this movie extremely charming. Is is there any other characters that stand out to me, uh, stand out to you that you want to talk about? Oh, I love the fairies, like the three of them in the original Sleeping Beauty. I love their dynamic between each other and how they sort of like bicker and but they love each other and they're like sisterly. Um, and just when they're raising her and trying to figure out like life without magic and sort of figuring out how to do things without it and really just connect with her and like how much they love Aurora um, is one of my also favorite aspects of the film and just the sequence of them trying to bake the cake where she's like folding the eggs in I was dying laughing and just those sort of like little moments hold up um, even now as still being really funny yeah fauna is my favorite the one with the cake and I love when they bring the spells back out and she animates the the yeah. items and whatnot, the eggs and everything. She goes and she turns the book around to him. She's like, "Okay, you just make it." <laughs> I love I love that little bit, and I love too when um the other two are making the dress, mm-hmm. and Meriwether says, "Oh, this looks terrible," and Flora says, "Well, only because it's on yep. you." And they just keep going, <laughs> and they just they battle back and forth with the color, and they're like shooting the color dust at each other. It's great. Yeah. Let's talk because we're going to actually maybe we'll save talking about the character of Maleficent for for a okay. little bit as we talk about the other movies, because um, I think the villain, I think she's she's so strong in Sleeping Beauty. Um, do you have any favorite moments? Anything else that happened that you love? I, I, when I was rewatching it this time, I realized how much I love the fireplace scene where she's back in the castle and it sort of uh, turns green and the entranceway mm. to like the dungeon shows up out of the fireplace and she walks through it. And it was like, I had this like flashback memory of being little and walking around my grandmother's house. She had a fireplace. And I remember being like, mm. does this one work? Like thinking that I could like walk through a fireplace. Wow. So I really loved that scene and just sort of how she goes through the castle like that. And just the incorporation of the magic was really cool. So that's a standout for me too. That's really cool. Um, yeah, that is, I think, like you said, with the colors, because black and mm-hmm. green is kind of lacking within the movie until we get to that point, and it's so haunting. Yeah, the Slytherin it's, in it's... me loves it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a Slytherin, huh? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Gryffindor. Um, a lot of people think I'm a Hufflepuff, but I am I am strong <laughs> Gryffindor. Um, anyway, that's a whole other magical world. Um yeah, I think, so you have that pink, um, that beautiful green and that mm-hmm. blue between the fairies. Mm-hmm. And then you have that haunting gothic look with Maleficent in that moment as Aurora is just kind of following those staircases. Um, I love, for me, I love everything from the breakout of Philip when the fairies come to yes. rescue him um, through his battle escaping. And they're using their magic to help him escape with 
And I, I think just the colors, the beauty, the everything is so exciting and um, thrilling, yeah. you know, and the, the dragon, like, oh my gosh, this is a fairy tale. You finally, this is the first time we see a dragon, mm-hmm. I think, in Disney. I feel like that that must be true. Yeah, because I don't think we see anything in Fantasia with a dragon. Yeah, I really, I'm, I'm going to stand by that. If anyone has any correction <laughs> in regards to that, you can correct me. But it's it's so yeah. awesome, you know? I feel like each little, like, aspect of it. So there's multiple little mini battles that happen. So um, they're, like, pouring the tar down to try and, like, get him on the horse. And then it turns into bubbles. And, like, just each little part is, like, a victory. And you're like, yes, keep going. You're, like, rooting for him as they go along. And um, just having the fairies be a part of that, too, is really great. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that I really liked about the Sleeping Beauty, the original animated, is that it's kind of like, honestly, people criticize, I think, the movie in regards to Aurora and her not being very strong. Some people have said that this is a few steps backwards in regards to progressive female characters. Um, but it's even though she's the title character, I feel like the fairies are more so the the main characters of the, of the movie. Yeah, I would kind of agree with that, that criticism. I mean... We don't see much of Aurora except for the cottage life because for the rest of it, she's she's asleep. Um, so right. I, I I could agree with that, but I think that's something interesting when we get to the the other movies. That really is a is a change. Um, but yeah. just sort of like the dreaminess of her character in the in the original and the classic, and sort of just how she's creative and wants mm-hmm. this life for herself. Um, and is just happy with being, you know, around the, her fairy godmothers and that sort of thing is, is enough, I think, for when this movie came out. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So anything else you want to say about Sleeping Beauty before we transition to the next topic? Um, I, I don't think so. I think we, we covered, covered it. Okay. So moving on to the first Maleficent movie, how do you, I, I first have to say, the Maleficent movie, the first one, I thought it was on Disney+, yeah. Plus, but when I went to click on it, it was like, you can watch the trailer. And I was like, what? No, I need to watch this. So I think you and I both rented it to g- kind of get caught up, and I never saw it before, so I would have been really confused watching Maleficent 2 without seeing the first Maleficent movie. Um, but because it's not on Disney+, Plus, we won't spend too, too much time talking about the movie except i think we need to talk about how it is different and how they change some of the things how do you think it compares to the original animated film from 1959 gina and honestly when i was re-watching it they are completely sort of separate to me they feel very um almost like in their own different worlds like i feel like i have the very fairy tale um, literature kind of perspective on the original classic Sleeping Beauty and then when I look at and think about Maleficent I think of it in much more of like sort of a fantasy realm of like with the fairies and the moor and it almost has a lot more like Lord of the Rings vibes um, for me so mm-hmm. it, it seems pretty separate as far as like aesthetic and character and plot and things like that 
but I do think that they do a decent job of carrying the key points from Sleeping Beauty that you need to really drive the story if you're going to talk about Maleficent. Um, Because in the original Sleeping Beauty, we really don't get any background or motivation or anything to her character. She's just presented as this evil villain that you're just automatically supposed to be afraid of or, or love to hate. But going into Maleficent, they carry those key scenes like the christening um, and the the sort of like battle scenes into this new one, but giving you a different perspective on it, which I think is really great. Yeah, it's it's interesting that the choices they made with this movie, you know, and I'm kind of on the fence of how <laughs> I feel about it, because I think if we look at all these live action adaptation of the of these movies with all the new ones that come out and Disney's like okay we're gonna take this old one we're gonna make it new there is a range there's kind of a um yeah I guess just a range in regards to these movies on how many of these stay true to the initial story of what we know and how many of them take liberties and change the story almost completely that Mm -hmm. you're watching And if like Beauty and the Beast and the Lion King is on one end of the spectrum as being kind of almost a shot by shot remake, Maleficent is on the other end of the spectrum where it's, it changes almost everything, almost everything to the story. And I think it has to, for it to work. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's so hard because I criticize both. You know, and I think the one that I enjoyed the most between all the remakes that they've made is the Jungle. Oh, Book. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Because it, it stays true, but they change a lot within the story as well, especially in the last act. That I think it just really mm-hmm. works for the story. Because if it's too much like the original, I'm just like, okay, well then I'm just going to watch right. the original. You know, and if it's um, so much of a change in my view in my mind i'm kind of like eh, i'm just gonna watch the original i don't like that as much you know um yeah but there's there's a lot of liberties there's a lot of things that they change with the story yeah. of sleeping beauty i think the the thing that i really enjoyed about what they changed in this was um really getting to see the change in maleficent between just this evil person that you just automatically assume is evil to having her have some sort of like really tragic backstory um that really fuels her to become that person that you fear and think is evil um and then eventually goes down this this character arc of redemption and things like that in the end of the movie but um really i think having that background is key to the film and i think they stayed pretty true to um, the the fairies and that sort of like dynamic between the three of them um, from the classic to this one. Yeah, I honestly, that, uh, that's interesting you say that because I think the fairies are totally, I don't know. I don't think they're fair or they're good to the fairies in the, in the Maleficent movie. I feel like they're more fuddling around. They don't know what they're doing because the movie really states that Maleficent is the one who raises Aurora and basically takes care of her and the fairies are just buffoons. Yeah, that is, that's pretty true. They, 
there are a couple of scenes where Maleficent was like saving Aurora from like the fairies just like obliviousness um yeah I think they definitely turned the dial up on that there were some some inklings of that in the classic but yeah I think they yeah turned the dial up on that in this one yeah I mean because I mean, she did grow up, you know, these, you know, in the original one. It is so funny because things go off the rail completely with the fairies. We're like, okay, let's just break out magic this one time. And then it's just like, of, of course, that's what opens up the problems. And of course, you have to do that on the day of her birthday, which is going to be the lynch point in regards to the story as the, you know the curse to be. It's kind of like fairies just holding right. together for <laughs> one more day. Um, anyway, that's going back to Sleeping Beauty. Um yeah, and let's see, what are some of the other changes that are made to the story of Maleficent? I mean, she is kind of, she is the villain of the classic story, but they humanize her in such a way that, you know, they really want to make you feel for it, you know, feel yes. for her. And in, I feel like in order to do that, the way that they changed the character of King Stefan, or Stephen, however you pronounce it, um, yeah was really interesting they made him super dark and greedy and um ambitious and that sort of just clouded over his his whole character he's very very different from the classic um and he becomes the villain that you love to hate in this one yeah yeah he is definitely the villain of the story um but then even when the curse does occur Mm -hmm. here's another big change and Aurora pricks her finger and she falls into this court, a, a curse and she's asleep. True love's kiss is not Philip that wakes her up. It's Maleficent. She kisses her forehead and Maleficent is who brings her back. Oh, it, it broke. I couldn't hear you. Oh, okay. I was just saying that it's Maleficent who brings Aurora back to life from yes, the curse. Yes, I loved that change so much. I feel like it really... Wow. It, it, it gave, like, justice to the story um, because I feel like you really see their connection throughout the whole film of how much she grows to love Aurora, especially towards the end when Aurora is, like, 16, and she meets Maleficent in the forest, and she's not afraid of her, and she starts spending time with her. Um, and they just start to get that like mother daughter bond growing. Um, it just, Uh it was such a nice touch to have her be the one that breaks the curse, even though she cast it originally. And it just goes with her redemptive character arc as well for Maleficent to, to kind of go from the one who would put this curse on like an innocent baby as a form of revenge to growing to love and be motherly towards her and want to save her. Yeah, I guess I, I have, a, I don't know, maybe, maybe we're on two separate minds in regards to this movie, which is totally fine, obviously. Um, I'm sure everyone remembers last week's episode when Jess and I were disagreeing, but I feel like it undermines the romantic relationship between her and Philip, it doesn't, it makes it kind of like, okay, do they really love each other? Yes. I feel like I'm okay with it because of how the sequel turned out. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you were to only look at just this first movie, I would agree with you on, on that. Um, 
but the way that the movie is shot, you don't really see Aurora spend a lot of time with Philip. Um, so okay. I feel like it kind That's of true. makes sense. Okay, so um, do you have any final thoughts about Maleficent? I mean, we only want to stay here for a little bit before mm. going to the next movie. Um, I just, I love the world. I really do. The the moors and um, especially at the beginning mm-hmm. of the film when you kind of explore that world when Maleficent is young, just the the directing of that, the cinematography of that and exploring that world, I really love. Yeah, it's it's really cool because you see, I, I, I like, that's one thing I will say that I liked about this movie was the different differing of these two like worlds. You know, you had the human world you had that magical world you know um and what's interesting is that the war really kind of well not as a star i think it was kind of existent before but that's another thing that they change is that when she was young maleficent had a relationship with a young mm-hmm. king stefan and that's another that's another kind of big change so it's it's her she's a she the reason why she curses the baby is because she's kind of a scorned lover which i thought was Add an interesting yes. dimension to that really f- kind of fuels that that background story and um, just makes you really hate the king so much because of what he did to her and like betrayed her trust and I feel like this movie really has a lot if you look at it kind of carefully and with like a critical lens has so much deep themes to it um, like the war aspect with between the humans and the um, the fairies kind of like parallels racism and then what happens to Maleficent and that break mm-hmm. of trust with King Stephen is just really interesting. It has a lot of deeper meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I, there, there are definitely things that I like about this, this movie and there's, I'm kind of on the fence with a lot of it because I want to be a purist to the original story, but then it's, it's, I guess you're right. You do have to look at this as a totally mm-hmm. different thing. So, um, all right. Well, let's actually move on to the next the next movie. So let's talk about Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, the second movie. Um, do you want to kind of give us a rundown sure. of the story? So the this film really sort of kicks off with. Um, highlighting Aurora as taking her place in the Moors, which is the fairy world. And she's their queen and kind of has taken her place like among the fairy people and um, is just really involved in that life. Um, And then you open to like the next scene where we get more of Prince Philip and they're both sort of five years later, they've grown up a bit more. They're in their twenties now and, they've been together this whole time and um we go through a really cute proposal scene which i love um and that proposal really sort of propels the rest of the film and sets up what happens so we meet prince philip's parents um and one of them is really for joining the the king is for joining the moors and the, the humans together and the queen is very much against it and um, holds a lot of animosity towards all the people of the Moors. Um, and then it just sort of goes from there. And Maleficent sort of comes in 
and wants to protect Aurora from them. Um, and then that sort of breaks down and they end up getting into this big argument and fight and um, Aurora goes and starts to like live with the humans at that point and um, like abandons Maleficent because she's shown as evil. Yeah, and then and then we see there is a um, you kind of look further into Maleficent's race in a sense. I kind of want to say because you get to see other fairies that are like her. You know, what I mean, because she's she kind of stands apart from the rest of the fairies. But then you see these tall human like fairies with her their big bat like wings like she has, and um, we'll talk about the actors and the characters in a little bit. And then you see that war kind of happen again around when they were supposed to be married, Philip and Aurora. And that's the main conflict of the movie between the humans villain character being the queen and the fairies. And then, yeah, the, the things get taken care of in the end because <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice story. And Philip and Aurora do end up getting married in the end, uniting these two worlds together i loved the fact that we got to know that there are more maleficence out there like there are more of her her kind and her people i thought that was a great addition to the film um and to her as a character to just kind of like discover where she's from um and really like how much that added to her powers as well Yeah, um, it definitely it definitely gives her that that backstory, you know, because give that background and kind of gives her a little bit more depth with a few of these those other characters that you can kind of meet. One of them is more of a um, a warm character to her, and that you're you're you know almost even seeing almost like maybe some romantic ties with, and then you see one who's a little bit more gung ho and wants to go mm -hmm. to war and battle the humans, you know. So you kind of have these two forces. He's kind of the leading force there to try to get this war going and the queen um, herself she is kind of leading force on the human side as these two worlds are clashing and then obviously we have Maleficent on one who's kind of witnessing and seeing all these things happening and then you have Aurora on the other side mm -hmm. witnessing and watching all these things happen too so um, we haven't really talked much yet about Angelina Jolie mm -hmm. and the character of Maleficent how do, you, how do you feel about her portrayal? I really of this enjoyed title it. Character? I feel like she captured the sort of um, elegantness of Maleficent, if that's even a word. Um, the way that she carries herself in mm -hmm. character is very regal, and she has those little moments of like sass that the original Maleficent has um, and is sort of really brooding and just um like a very serious character but is able to have those like smaller moments of sort of breakthrough where you you can see through like okay maybe there's more to her than meets the eye um so I thought she played her really well in order to kind of have a balance of those those pieces of her Yeah, I think I think she, in my opinion, is probably the strongest aspect of the movie. I think she is stronger than mm -hmm. the movie is as a whole. 
or the movies are as a whole. I think she, she is better than everything else that's kind of surrounds her because she has the physique, you know, she looks like Maleficent, her face, she, you know, her face already looks kind of alien. Like she has these severe, um, just face structure with her cheek and her chin. And she's stunning, obviously Angelina Jolie, but like I, you couldn't get anybody else to play yeah, this role. I, there's nobody you know? else who could really hold the shoulder of this movie the way that she does. Yes, yes. She, I think she is. She's awesome. She's great. How how do you feel about Elle Fanning playing? I wasn't Aurora? super familiar with a lot of the things that she had been in prior to um, when I first saw Maleficent, but I feel like she did a great job a lot more so in the second movie versus the first one. I think in the okay. first movie she is she plays sort of the more youthful, younger um Aurora and is really good about bringing that sort of brightness and joy throughout as the strong point of the character. Um and really Yeah. Yeah. A youth to her. There's a youth she doesn't to her, act, you know. She doesn't act like a 16-year-old who's trying to be like 20 she truly fits the true age of a 16 year old so that was really great and the character development and how she is in the second movie she just becomes so much stronger and how she learns to to fight for justice and um i don't know i just feel like she's a lot stronger of a character in the second film yeah and she i mean she really holds her own she stands up against who would be her, her stepmother, mm. not stepmother, her in-law, her mother-in-law, who's played by Michelle Pfeiffer. You know, she's able to really, you know, stand up against her. I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer, I mean, she's another just, she's been acting for decades now, you know, and it's so cool to have her sign on and be a part of this movie. Um, but for Elle Fanning's character of Aurora to really stand up against her, um, you can kind of really see the the powering that mm-hmm. that growth of a character, like you were saying. And she's she's still able to go ahead. Anything to else to balance? So she's got that the character of Aurora has that strongness in the second film, but is so balanced still with the the joy and um, how she interacts with Philip. Like she still has that romantic, youthful side of her with with hit her interactions with him, which I thought was really nice. Yeah. Um, anything else that you want to talk about? Um, I really enjoyed the, um, the crow character, Dival. He is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, in both films, he is someone who's really able to like tell Maleficent the things that she needs to hear and kind of like give her the hard truth at times, but it's also just really loyal. Um, Mm -hmm. and I feel like he is a great addition to the cast as well. Yeah, because I, I think it's important to have that character, the crow, um, and he turns back and forth. He actually, in the first one, becomes the dragon that is faced um, in that classic kind of battle scene. He humanizes <laughs> Maleficent, which is really key to the story. And so he is always really next to her and with her, especially mm-hmm. in the first one. Not so much in the second one, but he works as a good foil to her character Absolutely. just to really humanize her more and more. Um, I think in the second one, I again, I mean, of two minds. I I think I like mm-hmm. this one less than the first one, to be honest with you. I think that other world when you get to meet all those other fairies, 
um, with Ed Skian. Um, I don't know how to say his name, but he's the guy who's the villain in Deadpool. Uh-huh. He was in Game of Thrones and whatnot. Um, yep. And then um, Cheetahwell Ediafor, his character. I feel like that story, and I think this story as a whole is kind of unnecessary, but I think that side of things is kind of unnecessary to the story. I think um, my cynical brain is kind of going like, okay, Disney looked at this and said, okay, we made a butt ton of money on Maleficent. Yeah, and they're like, where do we go from here with the the story? There needed to be some sort of addition to it, and this was sort of what they came up with. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so I feel like it was, I'm kind of, again, I'm just like, yeah, it's fine. I, I probably don't like this one as much as I do the original, honestly, or the first one. My my favorite is always going to be Sleeping Beauty in comparison to the three. I don't know if I'm going to go back and watch these other two again, um, unless for the podcast or anything like that. If people were like, we got to go back and look at those. Um, the only other thing I want to say about character is and I, I immediately caught it when it when it happened. Um, the queen's lackey yes. who lives in the basement. You hear his voice and you're going, "Oh my gosh, that's Warwick Davis!" Because his his voice, the actor, is so distinguished. You know who he is. And if you don't know who Warwick Davis is, he's actually he was in Star Wars. Um, he played a lot of little characters because he is a little person. Um, he is also he was in Willow. And he, he's just, he's a, before Peter Dinklage, he was the pristine little person actor that we, we had, you know, that everybody looked to. And I think it's just unfortunate that we need to see mm-hmm. more actors within that demographic who, um, that we can kind of point to, but his voice is so distinct yep. and I was so and happy And he has a big role in, in the Harry movie. Potter films as well. I believe he plays multiple characters in that, oh, yeah, that's right. in that world. Does. Um, and yeah, I recognized his voice right away. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's the professor. Um, and it's interesting because Dolores Umbridge, that actress, is she also plays one of the fairies. She plays the pink fairy. Yep. You're absolutely right. You know, when you said Umbridge, I thought you were talking about Maggie Grace. And then I was like, no, 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 she said Umbridge. So... Wow, that's yeah. absolutely So right. I love okay, that. cool. the whole entire cool. film. It kind of pulled me out of it because I was like, oh my gosh, that's Umbridge. She's a fairy and she's the pink one. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so do you have any favorite moments from this movie? I feel like uh, I, the, the second I really enjoyed film? the second one. Um, so I have a couple. I loved the proposal scene in the moors with Philip and Aurora. I love how the the creatures and the fairies were involved. How you have like the little hedgehog who carries the crown and like draws her to him. Um, it reminded me a lot of uh, Pride and Prejudice with Jane and Mister Bingley. Their proposal is very similar to this one, in my opinion. So, cool. as like a, a literature person, I really loved that. Um, and I feel like the sort of end scene um, of this film, the the part where Maleficent finishes the battle and she's um, right there with Aurora and then turns and protects her and kind of sacrifices herself for Aurora. Um, I was, I was totally crying. Like (laughs) that was a really moving point in the film for me too. So I loved that scene. Did you not think she was coming back? I don't know. I hadn't seen this. This was my first time watching the film. So I, I, didn't want to have any sort of like 
prediction of what I thought would happen. I was just along for the roller coaster of emotions that was sort of happening at that point in the film. Um, I was hoping that she would come back because I feel like that would be a terrible ending to just have her go through this entire redemption arc and then just kill yeah. her off would be a terrible decision in my opinion. So I was really happy that she came back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's so interesting. Like, I, I, I have a hard time not being cynical when it comes to things, especially when there's mm-hmm. there's blatant setups, you know, when they're like, they stop for a whole point. You're like, let's talk about the creature, the phoenix, rising from the ashes <laughs> out of death. It's just like, it's it's total alley-oop. It's a total layup yep. in regards to like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen here, you know. And even earlier on when you first meet the queen and she has the crossbow, and she lets go a shot, and it hits mm-hmm. a Griffin-like character in the head. It's just kind of like, I don't know, it's too on the nose for me at times, you know? Um, so I was I was kind of able to see that mm-hmm. coming. Usually, sometimes I don't get to see those things coming, but I was kind of, I was watching yep. for that, and I said, I bet you this is going to happen, you know? So when she died, yep. I was like, oh, she's totally coming back. I feel back. like she's it didn't Phoenix, really click in my you know? head that that was what was going to happen until I saw the tear. And then I was like, okay, here we go. Like, this is happening. Um, but it was also very reminiscent sure. of Infinity War when they sort of just, like, fade away and they turn into those, like, ash paper things. This looked exactly like that. And I was like, okay, yes. this is happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going we're gonna to see that trope playing over and over again. <laughs> and that we're always going to be looking back to Infinity War when, that, when we see that pop up in movies and television. Um. I think for me, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of what my favorite part of this movie was, and I, maybe it's the battle at the end. I don't know. I think seeing some characters mm. kind of go down, swinging. You know, I think you know. Honestly, you compared the first one as kind of being Lord of the Rings, and okay. if that's Lord of the Rings, this one's more Game of Thrones. You know, okay. as you see these battles kind of unfold, and you see mm. characters actually like die. Characters from the first one. Who don't make it through and, and and live in this one they die in this one it's kind of like okay making some yeah, some gutsy like choices these, here it's kind both of interesting Maleficent films are much more like darker or serious type of film than disney typically makes um and they definitely carried that throughout this this second mm-hmm. film i was so sad when the little fairy like sacrificed herself and and the organ was like you can't split up the three fairies like there has to be three of them um, so that was interesting. And I loved in the the, the final battle yeah. how you see Prince Philip change and become really brave and be like, okay, I'm going to stand up to my mom, this evil person, now that I know all these things that she's done and um, how he really starts to to believe everything and that it mm. has happened and really fight for the people of the more a lot more a lot more <laughs> and just sort of kind of come into his own as a character. So I really liked seeing that. It's interesting that in the two movies, the two Maleficent movies, the villains are the parents. Yep. It's her father who's the villain in the first one. And it's her, his mother who's the villain in the second one. So like, I don't know what they're trying to say about parents, but there's maybe there's mm-hmm. something to, that they're trying to say about independence and, moving on and not being under the I don't know the ruling yeah. of I your, like your a, a parent household I don't know also of like family is what you make 
Aurora and Maleficent are family, and they've they've created that that little family with all the people in the the moor and the fairies and everything like that. And then Philip kind of is a a little bit different in that he's kind of saying like, you know, this part of my family is toxic, so I'm gonna you know not have that in my life and kind of stand up for what I know is right. So they definitely go for those deeper themes in this one as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's kind of wrap up our, our thoughts in regards to Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Um, what are your kind of your final thoughts in regards to the movie? And why don't you I give it a think if I had to give it a score, here? I'd probably give it a, a four, four out of five stars, I think. I really enjoyed the animation, the cinematography, I think was a step up from even the first Maleficent. And um, the character development that continued throughout the story, I really enjoyed. Um, I don't know. I just really enjoyed this film and sort of the the road that it it took you on. Okay, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> feel. I guess I'm gonna feel like the downer again because I I, I I hate that when I have a guest come on like last week with Jess and, and this week. Um, with you that I'm going to kind of be like, oh, I'm going to be the kind of the curmudgeon um, between the two of us. I I feel like if the original Maleficent movie was an obsolete version, you know, um, I think it could be pretty polarizing. Either you're going to love that movie and the lore that it sets up and the recreation of the story, or you're going to kind of feel not mm-hmm. so strongly about it and be like, oh, this is kind of whatever you know so if it's if, if that's how you feel about that one this movie even feels way more unnecessary because it's just a continuation of the story that was changed already you couldn't really like what we did what we're you know with this episode watching the original sleeping beauty and then watching a weird sequel mm-hmm. to sleeping beauty if you haven't watched maleficent um i just feel like a lot of the things that you that they added in is kind of unnecessary to the story with going back for Maleficent and you know getting to know her origins and I just feel like I don't know I guess unnecessary is the word that kind of keeps coming to my mind um nothing really captured my imagination or my thoughts with this movie so I think I'm going to probably give it um two and a half that's okay stars but (laughs) I don't I want can, to take it away anybody's enjoyment. I can if they see where you're like coming movie, from, for so. sure. And I think when I you look that... at it with all three films, the original classic Sleeping Beauty is definitely like five out of five. Like that one is just great. Um, and then the the first Maleficent, for me personally, I think it, I would give it like 4.5. Like it's just a little bit better than the sequel of Maleficent, but it's not as good as the classic Sleeping Beauty, so... Yeah, I think we're kind of in the same, um, we're in the same line of thought because I feel the same way, but I think I'm a little bit more severe yeah. about <laughs> my dislike of these other two movies than you are. So, cool, cool. Well, we're going to take a little bit of a break here. Okay, welcome back, everyone. So, there is a lot of news that has come out in this past week with Disney+. Plus. 
So, Gina, the way we're going to do this is I'm going to run through these news pieces. I'm, you've listened to all the other episodes, so I'm sure you're familiar with this already. And when I'm done running through all of them, tell me what you're interested in talking about, and then maybe I'll pick one or two, and we'll break some of these things down. Sound good? Sounds great. Okay. Number one, Disney Plus has announced that a live recording of the Broadway hit Hamilton will be made available to subscribers in time for Independence Day. The play will be on Disney Plus starting July 3rd. Number two, Disney Plus will premiere the movie Clouds on the platform this fall instead of having it go to theaters. It documents the true life story of a young musician, Zach Sobiech. Sobiech? I don't know how to say his name. It's S-O-B-I-E-C-H. And this young man lost his battle with, oh, help me with this. You know, you're a nurse. Osteosarcoma. Osteosarcoma. Yep, there, there you go. go. <laughs> you're the right person for this episode. And so it documents his battle and how he lost his life fighting um, that. So number three, we also have announcements of new shows in development. Um, I feel like this is the running thing that we're getting. Like every single week, new shows are being announced. This one um, that they're working on is a live action Percy Jackson series based upon the book's and the movies of the same name. Number four, there's another rumor, um, but it's an exciting one. It's a rumor at this point. They're working on an idea for a Kingdom Hearts series for Disney+. Plus. If you don't know what Kingdom Hearts is, it's a video game series for the PlayStation that, um, or PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4, um, where it's like you play with all these Disney characters and you go to different worlds. Pretty fun. I'm actually playing the second one right now. Number five, um, this is the last one. The creator of the hit Disney cartoon from the 90s, Gargoyles, has hopes that with a newfound interest of it being on Disney+, Plus, that people are going to want a sequel series. He's excited about it. He is thinking about it. So we'll see what comes from that. That is the news pieces from this week. Gina, what are you interested in talking about? I think that the the one that has really been kind of all over not just like Disney Plus news but everybody's talking about Hamilton um and I personally haven't ever listened to the the soundtrack I'm way behind on the Hamilton fandom um but I know that it's really beloved by a lot of people um so I'm excited to have a way to be able to like enter into that and kind of see um see the production and see the music with the the acting and the play part together versus before this you would only be able to really listen to the soundtrack or maybe watch it on youtube or something so i'm really excited about that yeah me too because honestly i am way behind on the fan base of that as well like obviously tickets for that's what everybody talked about for years was that Mm -hmm. tickets for hamilton was so expensive and it was what everybody wanted to go to it's really what put lin-manuel miranda on the map as a a song person as a writer of music Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited not being familiar. I, I, I am excited to get familiar more with the, with the music. I, I have a hard time listening to a Broadway production, the music without having seen the play. So I think this is going to really help. And I think it's really just going to amp up even more of a following for the, for the music and for the play itself. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. I'm, I'm really stoked. It's actually what's interesting too is we actually, we've seen a lot of Broadway plays being made available due to Corona, where it's like 
you know, over a weekend, this play will be available. And then Broadway over the next weekend will make this play available. So I just think it's so interesting to see how different things of entertainment and, and whatnot are the means and the things that they're doing to try to reach out to more people and try to do things with people as they're kind of like struggling with Corona, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, they're really trying to like adapt to the situation and um, be able to still have a way to share their art with people is really cool. So I'm, I'm excited about this. Similarly, um, to kind of go off of that, because we're talking a little bit about music, I noticed that Taylor Swift concert came on to Disney Plus um, the last couple days. I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan, but um, I don't know. Have you watched it? Are you going to? I did. I watched it yesterday. Um, I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. Love her music. Um, Love her as like a person. She's really, really great. She's also three on the Enneagram. So that's really cool. She's she's you and me. She's yep. oh great. I <laughs> actually have something in common with Taylor Swift. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I really enjoyed it. It was great to see like the concert aspect of it and this new album that she was promoting, the Lover album, is one of my favorites that she's done. Um, mm-hmm. And so now the live recordings that were done on on this show that are on Disney Plus are also available on Spotify. Uh, okay, so. That's neat. That's cool. Um, I'd be interested to see if we get more artists doing this kind of a thing, you know? Yeah. If they had Ben Folds doing one, I'm all in. <laughs> <clears throat> um, anything else you want to talk about from these news pieces? Um, I'm really excited about the the Clouds movie um, okay. about the, the musician with osteosarcoma. Um, I love music and classical music as well. I really enjoy the cello and things like that. So I'm mm-hmm. interested to see sort of where this goes music wise and just sort of to to see his like medical journey I think would be really interesting I haven't really heard of any sort of movie or documentary or anything in this kind of realm so that would be cool to see yeah it's kind of his memoir in a, in a lot of ways and it'll be interesting to see what happens with that you know I think adding higher a higher caliber of um movies that are going to be released um solo on disney plus is going to be great because i think the track record of their movies that they've released since disney plus launched has been kind of weak Mm -hmm. so the more and more we're hearing about some of these movies that are not going to be going to theaters going directly to disney plus i think is actually something that's going to benefit the streaming platform quite a bit i'm not familiar with this this musician but i'm sure in watching the movie I am going to become more familiar with his story, which is going to be good, I think, for a lot of people. Um, anything else? Um, oh, the, the Percy Jackson thing. That's really cool. Did you read the books? I've read um, like three of them. I haven't finished the series. There's, there's so many of them. Um, but I did really enjoy the ones that I have read. And they've sort of done a couple of adaptions of it. They've put out two movies that didn't do well um critically or even with the fans of the didn't really do the story any justice yeah that's that's sort of like the take on it um and so i know that rick riordan who's the author of the percy jackson series is really going to be involved in this creatively um which a lot of the the fans of the book are really happy about because they feel like it will make it a more true adaption so wow cool yeah i don't know anything about that because i'm 
I, I don't read, <laughs> first of all. Uh, unless it's a comic book. I know like a lot of people are just like, Jess is actually trying to encourage me to read more, which is good. Um, but yeah, I... I anyway. <laughs> and I haven't seen those movies, so I don't really have anything to say in regards to that, but I'm just noticing that that is a kind of a big announcement. Yeah. Um, I think the Hamilton announcement is probably the biggest one to have come out. Yeah. I'm excited about Kingdom Hearts because have you ever played the video games? I have not. No. Okay. Um, it's, it's a partnership with Square Enix. So if you're familiar with the Final Fantasy video games, they borrow characters from those universes and they match it up with, um, Disney characters. So you can be running around with Hercules. You can be running around with Jack Skeleton from um, Nightmare Before Christmas. And it's just really cool because come, some of the controlling characters that you have is like Donald and Goofy. And it's just, it's this weird marriage between like this RPG world and Disney. And it's really fun. It, the, the story is really convoluted and hard to follow, but it's not necessarily even why you're playing it for you're playing it so you can run around with like Mulan and running around with Beast from Beauty and the Beast. So I think it's going to be really fun for them to have a series. If, if anything really comes of this for Disney plus, I'm a little excited for that. That's awesome. And I'm also really excited about Gargoyles. Do you know anything about Gargoyles? No, I feel like I have this sort of vague memory from childhood that I've maybe seen it once, but I, I don't really remember much. Okay. Um, well, we'll see because, you know, with I'm going to tease a little bit of a thing here. Next week, we might be talking a little bit more about something regarding gargoyles. That's, that's a huge hint. I mean, that's, <laughs> <laughs> but um, after, after we're done with this conversation, you guys will hear more about what we're going to be doing next week. I'm super excited about that. Gina. Thank you for coming on to this week's episode. I hope you had a lot of fun. I had a blast. Thank you so, so much for uh, letting me come on your podcast and chatting about all things Sleeping Beauty. Of course, of course. Um, do you have anything you want the listeners to, to know about? Anything to plug? I actually do have something to plug. Um, nice. It is uh, an organization, a ministry called um, Around the World Kitchen that my roommate and lovely friend Megan um, Mm -hmm. is working on and they are putting out t-shirts and a cookbook and their whole um, their ministry goal is to just really welcome people into your home um, refugees and just people um, in your neighborhood and just get to know people and community build and um, just really love on people and they are doing awesome work and I just wanted to give that a shout out. So one that's an, that's around amazing. the world kitchen um, is their website. Check it out. Megan is another close friend to me as well. She's involved with our ministry with campus ambassadors also. And she's just a, she's just a stellar person. Awesome person. As well as you, Gina. You're awesome. <laughs> Thank you again for coming on. Uh, anytime. All right, guys, that's another episode in the books. I have to apologize to you guys because I don't know what happened with the audio there between me and Gina when we were talking about Sleeping Beauty and Maleficent. Somehow 
the our audios got out of sync from each other i just i really hope it doesn't take away from the listening experience um that you guys have like come to know and how the conversations usually go i did have a great time with gina and i'm actually really excited about getting her back on in a future episode okay let me tell you guys about what i've been teasing for a little bit here so growing up the highlight for me every single week was saturday Primarily Saturday morning cartoons. I woke up extra early and made sure I saw all my favorite shows when they were coming out. And there are so many series on Disney Plus, these animated series that are classics that I grew up on, like Darkwing Duck and Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and then later on things like Recess. And, you know, even some recent classics, I would say, like with Phineas and Ferb. So I I was trying to figure out how do we go about tackling some of these really great shows and talking about them on the podcast. So I decided once a month, we're going to do a episode that we're calling Saturday Morning Cartoons. And what we'll do is we're going to actually take a random date out of the hat and we're going to look at that date and we're going to look at see what cartoons came out on that day or very close to that date and then me and my guests will each pick an episode of a tv show from that period of time from that day and we are going to watch it and then we'll talk about it so i'm super excited about this because it's going to be each month it'll be a different date it'll be a different era within the uh cartoon i don't know world and just the whenever they came out and it's going to be something i'm i'm going to be really looking forward to and talking to with my guests So this first episode that we're going to do in Saturday Morning Cartoons next week is going to be with my friend Patrick, who actually works at Disney World um, down in Orlando. He's a good friend of mine that I had from college, and we've been um, talking again here and there, playing board games online and whatnot, and we are going to actually um, record this episode together. And so the date that we picked out of the hat was November 3rd, 1994. So the cartoons that we'll be watching... We're going to watch an episode from the show Gargoyles, which I'm sure is not a surprise at this point for you since I kind of talked a little bit about that in um, the news pieces just a little bit ago, but also Iron Man, the animated series. So here are the episodes that you need to watch. From Gargoyles, it's from episode, it's episode six from season one, and the episode is called Thrill of the Hunt. And then the Iron Man animated series episode is also from season one. It is also episode six. It's called Enemy Within enemy without so if you want to stay up to date and watch those two before next week's episode you'll be able to really jump in on the fun um, make fun of them love on them whatever's going to happen within the conversation so okay this has been extreming disney i'm your host peter and i'll see you guys next week